Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. After a couple of weeks of being lost in the wilderness, Alex Miller, we finally got the boys all back together again. Full squad, finally. The uh, full team can take the AFL field and it's nice to actually have a full contingency of hosts here, Kat. So very excited to get stuck into a big round of footy. Yes, Alex Doherty, unlike the Eagles, we haven't dipped into our COVID top-up list. We've got the boys all in. We managed to do it without <laughs> the full squad, but we're back finally, full strength. There'll be no forfeits uh, here in the uh, in the state leagues either for the A3 uh, this week. Cat, uh, it's great to be back. Um, feeling good. And um, geez, well, what a, what an episode we've got for us uh, today. Yeah, we're well, talking about the Eagles. It is a horror situation for him, Doc, this week. They've got about 20 oh. players unavailable, about four teams are injury, the rest with COVID. And yeah, like you said, the Waffle team isn't even able to play on the weekend because they can't field any AFL players in the game. Um, and it's kind of looking like it's it's season, well, it was going to be season over for round one anyway, but um, they've almost waved the white flag, the Eagles. Yeah, well... Uh... Look, before we get into um what's going to be an absolute murder job on the Saturday night against Brisbane, I, w- I'd li- I would like to talk about the game against uh, Richmond on Friday, last Friday night because I was sitting in my deathbed, uh, recovering from COVID, watching this game, and I just thought to myself, Jesus Christ, just how bad can this team really be? Um, I mean, you look at, look at the players that are, still, that are still here. I mean, granted, a lot of these players are coming back from injury-interrupted pre-seasons that, or they've had injuries you know over the last year and a bit. Elliot, you know, prime example of that. But the guys that they've got still in this team, you know, you had Cripps, you got Darling, you got Duggan, you've got Andrew Gaff, who was the Medi sub for some unknown reason, Shannon Hearn, Tim Kelly, Josh Candy kicked four. This is a team that still has the core pieces, that still has the core pieces together. But I think the overall grand scheme of things, I think each one of those players have had, have had some sort of niggling setback along the way over the last 12 months. And I think that's really hampered into their form. Yeah, it it doesn't help Miller when yeah, like we said, there's every week. There's it seems like there's two or three players coming back mm. from injury, but at the same time, um, some individual performances I thought in that game. Tim Kelly is one that I want to talk about from this game, boys. He had the twenty one touches, he kicked a goal, but the amount of possessions he had, Miller, that were immediately under pressure, put himself in a shit position mm. and he was forced to dish off an ugly handball or a chip kick, nine turnovers out of those 21 disposals. So he wasn't doing very much for the footy when he actually had it because it seems like his game awareness is all kinds of off. And really, probably for the past year or so, he's kind of been playing that way um, quite a number of games. Well, it begs a lot of questioning, Cat, about recruitment and there's been lots of talk about whether they should have got Kelly, you know, and I think that obviously very successful Peter when they won that, you know, flag a couple of years back, but there was no effort, Cat, to rebuild the list and prepare for what's next after that. And that's why everyone's now surprised and shitting their dacks, so to speak, because they've just forgotten that you can't stay at the top forever. And... um there's been no real effort. If you look at the last five years, who players like uh, Fremantle have drafted, they've gone after Brayshaw. Uh, they got that pick, which was actually Gold Coast in the Lockie Weller trade to acquire <coughs> Brayshaw. Um, and they've traded in good young players like Akers, like Aish. Um, they've drafted Henry. And they've got really good core pieces. But West Coast just haven't done that. Um, mm. I thought just the effort of the general team was just not good enough. I think... Jack Redden was a guy as well who had a heap of the ball and didn't do anything with it. Shuey just looks past it. 
I thought there were a couple of guys who had a crack. Greg Clark in his debut, boys, I thought was really good. Um, now, 20... And now he's not playing. He played so yes. well he got COVID. Uh, <laughs> 24 touches, seven marks, six tackles, four clearances was really good. And Paddy Nash, he made some mistakes because he was kicking it back to his former teammates, Cat. But uh, our, our boy was still pretty good. But I think that it comes down to me is the highlight of this game is the score from turnovers. Set a new record, uh, which is 134 points conceded. Jesus. So, so 134 of Richmond's 165 came from turnover. So you, you, what's that, about 2021 20, goals that they conceded off turnover? Roughly, yeah. Um, I want to ask you, Kat, is it a ball movement issue as well? Because, yes, the personnel and all this crap keeps going on, banging on about it. But I think that there's no intent and effort to get the ball forward with any real potency. Well, yeah, I just don't think they have the cattle to do it at the moment. They don't have any players who are taking on these, these uh, dangerous kicks or who are going to be hitting a target up forward. Look, when, when it but, works for them, you know, Kennedy picked the four, so they're clearly finding targets occasionally, <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, but I would ask you, Kat, then, if it's about good kicks, it, it would just be a product of, with the list they've got, just getting the ball forward. Mm, they're not even um, doing that properly. There's not a whole lot happening there at the moment, man. I don't really know what to tell you. It was <laughs> ugly to watch on... It's very ugly. Even I was bored, Doc, watching it, and I'm a Richmond fan. I even literally switched back over to the NBL. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't, can't believe I'm, I was probably the only one who actually took great pleasure in watching this game on uh, on Friday night. <laughs> oh, I took great pleasure. I watched most of it, but uh, I almost fell asleep after oh. half time. But what do you think it is, Doc? Is it an effort thing? Because I just don't think there's any real intent for them to – because the first 10 minutes of this game should have been on. The, the intention had been there around the contest, around pressure in the back line, forward line, everywhere, and it just wasn't there. The thing that stands out for me at the moment, Miller, is when you see games like that, you look at you look at contested possessions and you look at the tackle count, and yeah. they got they got Belton contested possessions by twenty uh, West Coast, and and in terms of tackles, um, they they only out tackled Richmond by one, and yeah. which if if that's the case, you know Richmond's getting a lot more of the footy. You need to be laying more than what need to be laying more than forty three tackles on them. They, they, they was they just allowed Richmond so much space and so much time to just gather the footy off turnover and hmm. it, it crucified them as well. I just want I, I want to take you back to the Tim Kelly trade as well because I've got the details here. So West Coast gave up picks 14, 24, a future first and pick thirty three. Shit, that's a lot of to, lot of... to, to get him. And they had, he's not hitting hitting anyone by foot if they were right in front of him. And 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 the and the guy they got for, for the first round last year, Campbell Chester, he's going to be out for uh, the unforeseeable future. He got yeah. a bad ankle, I think it was. The cheese um, board. The, the the cheese board, but you know, I'll look at look at some place. Look, I was critical a little bit of on Patty Nash on on Friday night, but at least he's out there. He's having a crack. Mm. He, he's um, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, Petrovsky Seaton. I think he's sort of coasting through the motions a fair bit. Uh, Jackson Nelson, oh, well, what, what can we say that we haven't already said about him? Him and Harry Edwards, Doc. The amount of times oh, those two turned all over made me actually quite physically ill. If Harry Edwards. Look, I love Harry Edwards. I think he's a guy that gives a crack. Another one that sort of gives it a crack. But, geez, everything he turned, everything he touched turned into pure shit last Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, look, it, it's definitely not for a lack of effort. I think, this, I think he's... There's something in him like he, there's gonna be there's gonna be life after McGovern and Barras. I don't think he didn't play. Did, he, did no, he? well, no, that's, he, I suppose uh, while we're on that, I just want to ask you both. We'll start with you, Cat. There's all this talk now about blowing up this list and trading it. My opinion on it, 
on it is that it's two years too late. They should have done it probably after the 2019 season and hit the 2020 off-season hard, get as much as they could for guys like McGovern and Yeo in particular because their value has decreased immensely. But there's ridiculous talk about getting Nick Nat and Tim English in a trade and there's just no chance of that happening. But guys like I could see... You'll, you'll probably speak to it as well when I ask you after, Doc. And McGovern, I think he'd be a great fit for the dogs if they were to chase him hard enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, look, he wouldn't wouldn't be the worst worst idea in the world because especially Keith, he's going to kick on soon. And Tim O'Brien, look, he actually played all right against Destin on the weekend, but before that, he was pretty, he's was pretty. he been pretty shit. Well, what's, um, what's Yo worth, do you reckon, Cat and Shuey? Oh. Like, are they worth anything? I think... Yo, you'd have to say, is worth more. He's just had an unfortunate run at the start of the year. Shuey, probably less so. He's 31. You're not, he's obviously not in his prime anymore. He has that leadership, but you're not giving up the farm for him. No. I think Yo is still, probably of all the players that they could think about moving, probably the highest asking price. Because 28, he's still got a few good years left in him. I don't know if you'd part with a first rounder, maybe a late first rounder or something. For him, I think you'd still probably look to give up if you really wanted him. Yeah. Would you look, if you're a contender or any sort of team, like would North Melbourne have a look in at him if they're looking for a, well, another midfielder? I think so. They don't need no. any more bloody midfielders in it. No, I wouldn't no. say so, no. Yo, Yo, Yo has to play for a contender, I think. He's he's 28, turns 29, I think, it, it, later on in the year. He's he's not, he's not He might not be in the next West Coast Premiership team, so... I'm sure I'm like probably not. Probably love him. You know, two years ago, I would have said a first round pick would have been easy, probably worth two. But now you look at him; he's had a lot of injury setbacks. He's, you know, questions about his fitness have, have come up, which I haven't necessarily bought in because because he's missed so much football anyway. So of course, fitness is going to be an issue. I, I don't know whether or not he's going to be worth that first round anymore, um, mm. and, until he until he proves himself to be fit and firing and. And he and he's and he's firing all cylinders again, hmm. but look, it's going to be hard to get to get draft picks out of it out of a lot of these players. Nick Nat's another one in particular that is reaching the tail end tail end of his career. And yeah, whilst he's good, he's a great tap ruck. I think he's probably the best in the best five tap rucks in the comp. There's, and what about? Uh, there's obviously talk as well, Doc, about Jack Darling and Gaff. Um, yeah, there was the stupidest thing I ever heard is that Fremantle would go Gaff. If you think that he'd even go near that team after what he did to Brayshaw is ridiculous. That's a stupid yeah. statement. But I think um, Jack Darling as well, a guy that I don't think has got the value anymore. I just don't think that he. You look at the Monday key forwards boys, and you think of the guys like Mackay, Kernel. Uh, you think of Kruger, um, even. You know, the work that Jeremy Cameron's done below his knees, Norton's another one. Um, they're all great mobile and when the ball hits the deck can do something with it. And I think that that is something that Jack Darling, because he is kind of undersized off for a key forward in some respect. He's almost like a third tall my check size, but he's not really that good when the ball hits the ground. So I don't know what he'd be worth at a, at a trade table either. Oh, it wouldn't be worth the first rounder anymore, Jack Darling. A couple no. of years ago, you know, if, if if we were talking about West Coast Premiership window, Jack that's Darling, right. yeah, he'd, that's... He'd, he'd, he'd be there because, look, I, I think as well we should also recognise the fact that Jack Darling's had no pre-season, obviously due to, yeah. you know, all, all, the, all the vaccine circumstances and whatnot. You know, I'm not, not going to get into the business of that, but that no pre-season does limit you so much. And yeah. it's, it's one of the most underrated facts in football. Um, you can... 
you could you could be you could be Gary Ablett and have no preseason, and you'd still come out maybe, and you'd still come out looking underdone come round one compared yeah. to somebody who has done who has done the work. So I, I think, look, maybe, maybe I think maybe we're being a little bit stiff on Darling, but I think if you give him a preseason next year. And I think he'll be back to his best. He's he's twenty nine, turns thirty in June this year, I think. Um, and I think there's uh, look, he probably still has maybe a year or two of good footy left in him before he actually starts to decline because he's I think for in his prime years he was definitely very athletic. Yeah. But but I think but I think what you've what you've brought into it and it's a very good point, Mel, is that the fact that Norton Norton's a great ground ball person. Jazza Cameron's worked on it, and a lot of these a lot of these key forwards these days they they they've they're finding that next level to their game, which is their ground ball work. Yeah. I would ask a quickie, boys, and then I've got another question after. The quickie would be, start with you, Kat. Does Adam Simpson coach this rebuild for the next five, six years? Yes or no? Uh, I think if he wants to, he does. Yes. Doc? Yeah, I think he'll coach. At least, I think for the next couple of years, he'll coach. Um, okay. uh, I, th- I think his what, what, when's his contract expires? Contract expires, I think it's two years. I think. Yeah, it, it, it's something. It's something like he's still in contract for another another season or two anyway. So it'd be really okay. Twenty twenty four. He's um he's resigned until so he's another two seasons. Yeah. Um, well, last so thing. Look, yeah, go on. I, I, I was going to say, look, I think he'll stick it out because he's a very good coach. He's a proven coach, and I think he'll get them back to where he wants them to. You know, before twenty twenty four is done. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say the last thing the West Coast need is bringing in a coach that's not received well by the fans. But I suppose quickly before moving on to the next point, what do we think they do for the rest of the year, Cat? Like, what is the direction of this club? Do we see Connor West getting full time midfield time? Does Petrescu Seton get wing for the rest of the year? Do we see even some changes in terms of? you know, crazy stuff where we throw some Jack Dowling down back when they're getting thumped to try and get some more support down there. What, like, what what happens to, for the rest of the year? Well, maybe not the Darling thing, mate. I don't think <laughs> anyone wants to see that. But no, you're right. Get the kids in those positions. Keep building them the way that they're building at the moment. It's really just, like it has the whole year, it's going to come down to the availability, who's actually able to get on the park now yeah. for them. So I think if the kids are fit, you get them in because really there's no point playing um, and I'm not sure why you would be playing your veterans constantly throughout this year when you're not going to be winning many games and you need to look to the future. So yeah. um, just keep building that experience in the kids, really, I think, for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, I, I think, yeah, that, I think that's... Up. Sorry, Kat, I just think that's that's pretty much spot on. I mean, they're, they're, this is why Simpson needs to keep his job because I think... What he like? He can't control what what's going on with the playing group at the moment. Like yeah. there's injuries left, right, and center. There's COVID cases left, right, and center. You know he's even missing the game himself on Saturday, and probably a good reason. They're gonna get they're gonna get smacked <laughs> uh, by a considerable margin. But look, uh, there's there's not much there's not much that he can do in in this position. Mm-hmm. And I think given the, given the nature of this, there's probably what twenty odd fit blokes uh, this weekend. Yeah, you know, there's not much he can do, and I think they're just gonna have to do. The, they're going to have to make the best of what's pretty um pretty dire situation. Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to take a look up at Queensland, boys, and take a look at the Suns from this week. Yes. Uh, sitting two and five, uh, Miller, so they're not going along too great in the wins column, but uh, we've still been impressed by their play on field despite losing their past few games. The Q clash was a bit ugly. Um, the Saints game, they sort of faded out in the last quarter, but... 
the game against the Pies, despite losing, I uh, thought they kept up pretty solidly with them. Yes, well, I was at the contest and it was a really good display. And I think that's the biggest thing that stood out to me from this game, Cat, is like you said, previous two weeks faded and this week they put in a four-quarter effort against a really informed team, Collingwood, at, on their home deck. They barely played at the G the Sun, so it was good effort. They were missing a couple of players as well. But I just thought it was a really good display. Casbolt and Scholl have really done great work down there. And I think if you're not a Suns fan and you don't know really much about how this year was going to go, without being king, I think lots of people would have said they're going to struggle to kick more than five goals a game. But was really good, uh, I thought. And I thought that, yeah, Casbolt really should have had six or seven, just missed some easy ones. But getting in the right spots, Scholl was really good, which was good. But took Miller as well, Doc, bounced back. He's had a quiet couple of weeks. He actually got under 30 for the first time since God. I can't remember. Since he had a, probably didn't had a beard last time, he was under 30 touches. <laughs> um, but he had 36 in this game. And Noah Anderson as well had a strong game. But they just looked a lot more impressive with their effort, the Suns. Yeah, look, it's funny you mentioned Tuke Miller. He's still getting his touches, but I think his his defensive work has certainly gone down a little bit. I'm not sure whether or yeah. not he's playing sort of he's playing sort of a different role with Rao now, sort of in the in the mix and doing a lot of the, a lot of the um the grunt work. But yeah, he's still getting the 30 touches a game, and he's still generating a lot of power and a lot of run through the midfield, which is very very good. I just I just want to say on on Levi Casbolt Miller, he's averaging the highest goals. He's averaging goals. At a career best rate, two point two goals per game so far this year, yeah. and and look, he came came to the club as what what was it a rookie draft selection or something, yeah. or something something like that. So no one was expecting the world of him to come in, but he he slotted in in Ben King's absence, and he's and he's actually done all right for himself. I actually thought um, Sunday afternoon was his best game for the club, was his best game in his career. Well, yeah, thank he, God I, they've I, got I him. Honestly, talk, yeah. Yeah, four goals, four. As you said, Miller could have easily kicked six or seven because he missed some real sitters. But the way he presents himself, the way he attacks the footy, the way he's marking the ball, it's 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 almost like he was at he was at his prime when he was at Carlton. And I can't believe I do say that when it, he had no prime. <laughs> he had no prime at Carlton. I think, but um, as yeah. well, what's been good, Doc, is like you mentioned with the took defensive work that a lot of roles have changed for some of the guys. It's actually really interesting, boys. Brandon Ellis. Played on the wing for three quarters, and I think he had seven odd touches at, at half time. And he went to half back, and Jeremy Sharp came onto the wing. And Ellis had fifteen disposals in the fourth quarter, had five in the third, three in the second, and three in the first. So position change for him, cat that worked. I think Ellis is probably best utilized off half back, but they're mm. still finding their roles for their players in some respect. I think. Yeah, a little bit. I think we're starting to see a bit more um, rotation around. And like you said, with that, with Ellis, um, Alex Davies is starting to get used to the centre bounce more as well, which I think takes a little bit of pressure off some of the boys that have been doing some of the hard yards in there. Um, Jack Lukosius is one I wanted to talk about too, mm. Miller, who his role's changed a little bit throughout the season where he started uh, playing up forward, playing that sort of third tall role. And now he's... Uh, come a bit more back down onto the wing along half back. He's obviously very versatile. Um, but what do you see is his best role? Because he only had the 11 touches in this game, but he did take eight marks. So he's clearly getting the ball into his hands. Um, do you think, where do you think him playing suits best at the moment? It's a great question. I think that the one thing that stands out that we know about the Kosher's boys is his foot skills. Well, obviously, one of the best kicks in the comp can hit targets inside 50 can deliver it from the halfback to the wing. So 
Look, I see what Stewie is trying to do with him. I think given the state of the forward line, which is in pretty good nick, I would actually surprisingly say at the moment that I'd like to see him wing or half back. Um, I think that, yeah, it's been interesting. Will Power's out this week. He's back in this week. So that will do some things to their defensive work. But Sean Lemons as well, Doc, he did some job on Dugowie. Dugowie only 11 touches and one goal too. But, and Lemons had 13 touches himself. So I thought um, he did a really good job. Yeah, well, he's been he's been in some decent form over the over the last couple of years. Sean Lemons is that lockdown defender, yeah. which is good, which which is good for them because I think he's a player that needs to be in this best twenty two. Uh, just back to the question on Lukosius, like, look, it's interesting because you see him you see him at half back, you know, in his early stages, and he's and he looks like he knows where to, he knows how to pinpoint the targets outside fifty, mm. um, really really well. Put him on a wing, very good link up option. Forward line, he was draft. He was drafted as a forward. Where um, people were quick, people are quick to forget that. He started uh, the year this year in the forward line. Docker was pretty it, good. Yeah. Oh, look, he's kicked three goals six, so he's not exactly hitting the scoreboard too much. But I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm not worried about that right now. I think he's his score involvement's rate is pretty is pretty good. Last time I checked, I'd, I'll have to bring it up again. But look, I, I don't mind. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them persist with the half forward experiment. I think he's yeah. a player that can can. I think he needs to learn how to find that, how to find those short twenty-five meter kicks. We know he's a great exponent of finding a target in excess of forty meters, mm. but he, I think it's his, it's, it's his short game that sort of lets him down a little bit from time to time. It, it either, it either misses the target or it goes over the head of his, um, his teammates. But I think, it, I think he's a, he's a player he can, he's a player that can ease himself into it. And I think, look. Maybe he'll get. Maybe he'll only have 15, 15 kicks a game or fifteen touches a game. But they're going to be very good. They're going to be very good touches yeah. more often than not. Another player whose role I sort of wanted to touch on as well in this team, boys, is uh, Braden Fiorini. He probably had his lowest centre bounce attendances in a good while in this game. Only the three, um, and spent a bit more time on the outside. Found a few touches long half back. Do you think that's a role that he's? could be used in further, Doc, because I think he's obviously been a, a contested inside midfielder through most of his career so far. But um, I don't know. Do it, does Stewie do you want to see a bit of versatility from him if he wants to keep a spot on this side? Because obviously the, the likes of Anderson, Took Miller, Matty Rowell aren't going anywhere from that, that centre bounce. Yeah, he's an interesting one for Irene because we all know that he's a good he's a good accumulator of the pill. But it's it's what he does afterwards that, that sort of worries me because it's sort of it, it it's probably you know cumulative cumulative of about maybe what sixty percent of the midfielders in the competition they just pee up the ball and they try to and they try to look cute with it and they just sort of end up not doing much with it and look he, he went he, his disposal efficiency rate went at about fifty eight percent so to have nineteen touches and go at that rate that's not good enough for mine and and his kicking has been very very suspect over the years as well he only went about fifty three. On, on Sunday, so look, he's a player that I think. Look, you said you said it, Cat. I think he can go. He can go inside mid and and win it. But I think it's his like because he's got a good aerobic capacity. I think you need him out and out on the outside, getting that, getting that, getting that um uncontested ball because I think that's where he can sort of flourish and he can find he can find that extra couple of disposals. And if he tidies up his his bloody kicking, I think he'll be back to his best footy. I like him as a defensive option, though, boys, because I think that it frees Rowell up. I'm not sure why Stewie likes to play Rowell as a run with Tagger because 
Maybe it's just trying to get him to find the ball a bit more. But I think that Rao is best used offensively. He gets clearances. He can drive the ball forward. And Fiorini is a. I could. I think he could be a good two way player cat if he gets the chance mm. and gets the option from the coach. So yeah, I understand what you're saying, Doc. But uh, yeah, I think that he'd, he'd fit in nicely inside as a as a run with sort of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, they're looking all right, the Suns. I don't think, um, despite only having two wins up, I think they are in a better position than probably most of yeah. the state. I'll I, I tell you what as well, Kat. I'd like to see a little bit more of Malcolm Rosas, boys. I, I reckon yes. he's. He, I've been very impressed with how he's attacked the contest to start the year. He's played, what, three games? Um, yeah. I think he's mm-hmm. played the last three games, and he's been very... He hasn't, he hasn't had a lot... He's kicked four goals, so I think, what was he? He kicked three against, I think it was three against Carlton. Yeah, or or something like or something like that. Then he backed it up with a good game against St Kilda, and then and then had this and then had this game as well. So look, I, I love the way he attacks the ball. I think his his composure with the ball is something that the Suns have lacked. So yeah, he's can, very if, clean, Doc. He only had seven touches, but eighty five percent. So great yeah, there. yeah. So look, if, if if they can find the ball in his hands a little bit more, uh, notice he's playing a little bit more half forward, half forward uh, midfield. If they, if they can find the ball in his hands a little bit more, I think um, I think the Suns will be uh, better suited for it. Yeah, absolutely. A team I wanted to touch on this week, boys, uh, is the Lions. Yes. I was very, very keen to talk about them after they got a four-goal win over the Swans. Uh, a statement victory, I called it, Miller. Early in the season, obviously going down to Geelong by 10 points. They haven't really played another team that's been looking like one of those top contenders yet since then. And I'm glad they got the chance to do so and beat the Swans quite comprehensively. Uh, I thought they were very much in control this game start to finish. Aside from the first quarter, which was pretty slow going, they really got moving from then and didn't really look in danger at any point. Other than I think it was the third the Swans got within a goal or so. But Mm. um, in terms of a test for the Lions to pass this year, definitely one of the early up big ones, I thought. Yeah, it was a strange game, Cat 9-9 to end the first quarter, and I was sitting there because I got back from the Suns-Pies game, eating my pizza. I thought, God, this will put me to bed nicely, and uh, picked up massively. They went on a great run, Brisbane, in that second quarter. And, um, yeah, as you said, the, the thing that impressed me is the Swans came out and kicked the six goals in five minutes to start the third, and they were right back in it. And I thought, this is going to be tough here for Brisbane. Danaher's just been subbed off, who, big blow, he's going to miss about a month, boys. But... I thought, geez, they're in a bit of strife here. But responded with, um, after that five, six minute first, with a bit of tempo footy and then five, six goals of their own. So they took a, a 29 point lead into three quarter time. That, just very good. And I think the biggest thing about Brisbane, Doc, is yes, their, their defense is good and their forward line strong, but the midfield is elite. And Lockie Hunt, uh, Lockie Hunter, Lockie Neal. <laughs> Lucky Hunter would be uh, lucky to get 11 clearances in a bloody season, let alone a game. <laughs> Lucky Neal is the best midfielder in the comp right now, and this is why. One, <laughs> go- one goal, 37 touches, nine tackles, 11 clearances. But some of his kicks in this game were very Jack McRae-like in terms of pulling off these angles, these kicks that we haven't seen Neal be able to do this year because he's been playing a bit more defensive from the stoppage. But... My God, when he's attacking and kicking it well, Brisbane are just unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we, we say this all the time. This is a sign of a really good team that, that they can manage to to blow apart, you know, a side like Sydney who are no scrubs themselves. I mean, I think they'll be a top six team again this year, Sydney. At home. Um, and, 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 and at home, away from the Gabba, which we all say is a fortress every every time. And, <laughs> and look, it'll... 
and and I'm it was like you, Miller. I heard, heard Danaher go down because I was still watching the um the Dogs Bombers game, and I was like, oh look, geez, I'd be amazed, be amazed if they actually come home here, Brisbane. And not only did they come home, they just blew them apart after yeah. um after that after that on burst that onslaught from Sydney in the in the third quarter. I was gonna say after Buddy put on a show, Doc, they didn't fold, which I thought was a very uh, very good signs for the Lions out of this game. Not that they ever typically do, but um, I think you within your right to go into your shell when a player comes out and uh, demolishes you like that. But we talk about Danaher being out. Uh, I think this is going to be a very, very vital month for Darcy Fort, boys. Uh, yeah. I never thought I would say this. Yeah, I can't believe we can't believe me saying this. <laughs> he's actually become a pretty important part of their forward structure, Doc. Uh, and I think <laughs> without Danaher in there, him, McStay, McInerney, obviously going to be the ones that are the key targets up there. And I think he didn't take too many marks, just the two marks out of this game. But 16 disposals, he gets his hand on the ball, Fort, and when he's close to goal taking those grabs, I actually think he, he adds a, a lot to this forward line. And without Hipwood as well uh, until the second half of the season, it's going to be really, really crucial. Well, more I importantly, think... Doc, he broke the record. As, yeah, uh, I was gonna, I was, the world record. I was going to say 12 goals without a blemish uh, to start your career. How, <laughs> how, how good's how good's footy for Darcy Ford? Um, now, yeah. look, it, that's going to be really interesting. Dan McStay is out of contract as well, and this is a big, big month of footy for him because I think, I think the um the word is uh, Hip will be back sometime soon. I think it's within the next month. I think he's started. I think he's going to yeah. be playing. I think he's playing. Hello. I think he'll be playing a practice. I think he's playing VFL this weekend or something. I'm I'm not too sure, but apart from that, you've you've got Danaher's out for a month, and there's nobody really in the VFL that's looking like they're going to stand up as a key forward unless 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 Reith Matheson at least um grows another 20 centimeters <laughs> walks out onto the ground on stilt stock yeah that's it um I'm, I'm not a fan of Tommy Ford and I'd rather see uh, Jack Payne get a chance in the forward line he's a great marking player we've seen dock down back but uh give him a swing down forward I reckon yeah, look, I, I don't, I don't see, um, I don't see Fullerton being being a, being a solution. You know, if if they put him in against West Coast this week and he kicks six, then you know, no, no one's going to bat an eyelid. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, it, it'll be interesting. Look, Darcy Fort, we, you spot on, Cat. I think he's been a crucial piece, and I think it was something that they needed at the end of last season, considering the fact that it was just the big O taking on the world um, in 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 the in the ruck division, but. Yes, the way he presents himself has been. I think a lot of people underestimated that, and I think it was even before that when he was at Geelong still, and he was just playing away at the twos. He he was presenting himself well as 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 a sort of a secondary key forward target, Mm. and I I think now now he's finally got that chance to flourish at Brisbane. He's he's finally um you know showing you and me and Miller and everyone else that didn't (laughs) like Darcy Fort uh, that you know he's he's not a bad little player. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they found a real balance uh, this year, the Lions, and um, I'm really, really interested to see how they go from here. Obviously, this is like the Eagles. Uh, you would expect them to do away with pretty handily. But... Yeah, quick, don't quick, even quick, say expect. <laughs> quick, quick yes or no, boys. Are they getting the 200 this year? No, oh, this week. Oh. <sighs> yes. I'm Why saying not? yes too. I'm saying I guess, yes. Too. I reckon they might play a bit second gear in the second half, but West Coast won't get within 80 points just quietly. Oh. But I've got another quick event. Do you think they can win it all from where they are? Cat, can they win the flag? I want to see, well, um, it's a good question, Miller. I want to see, not this month, but once we get to the month of June. 
Yeah. Rio, St Kilda, Melbourne, three weeks in a row. I think Massive. We will know Ooh. in that stretch of games whether So they, I'll come back to you then. Yes, whether they are this <laughs> year. Come come back in June, Miller. We'll uh, write that one down. Uh, look, I, I I think they're they're second right now to Melbourne uh, as the premiership favourites right now, and yeah. I reckon they can give the D's a shake um, towards the business end. But yeah, this, we're only seven games in. There's still a lot to play out. We can't wait to see what Hipwood and Danaher can do. You know, as 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 a, as a cohesive pair against that Melbourne backline. But right now, they are they are firming as the um as the strong contenders. Yeah, definitely. We'll run through the results from the round while we're at it, boys. Friday night, the Eagles got absolutely obliterated by the Tigers, as we mentioned earlier, hundred and nine points. Saturday, one of the games of the year, Geelong going down to the Dockers by three points. Great spectacle, and good to see the Dockers really stamp themselves as yeah, a go for it. threat. Uh, the Giants destroyed the Crom, unfortunately, 59 points. I really was backing the Crows in for this one. I was yeah, me too. Man, me too. <laughs> the Dees beat the Hawks by 10 points. Uh, an ugly game that no one will want to remember. Port doing St. Kilda by one point in Cairns. That, that, that was the worst game of football I've ever seen in my life. And you I cannot didn't see do... much of it, Doc, and I'm glad I didn't. I yeah, no, I, I gladly was also on the source, so I did not see it. it. Uh, look, it, look, it was worse than COVID. Oh, <laughs> it was... oh shit. Uh, the other game on Saturday night, no one wanted to watch this one either. Carlton beating North Melbourne by 50 points. Unfortunately, I had nowhere else to be, so I had to watch both of them. <laughs> Sunday, Alex Miller was there watching the Pies beat the Suns by 25 points. The second battle of the A3 Cup for the year, the spoils go to Alex Doherty. His Bulldogs beating my Bombers by 32 points. It was a good win by your mob, Doc, and I don't think... Nah, it should, should, should have been 70 plus, but, you know. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the Tigers and the Dogs both have a win on the A3 Cup ledger, and, of course, the Bombers are sitting last at the bottom of that at the moment, which is just great for yeah, me. Well... Well, um, when's, when's dream time? Dream time's what? Uh, round, 11, round 10, round 11. So, mm, yes. yeah, we're, we're only a few weeks away from that. So it'll be a zero and two for your bombers, mate. <laughs> yes, thank you. I like the confidence. Uh, as we mentioned already, the last game around the Lions beating the Swans by four goals. Uh, we'll move on to your deep dive, Doc. And I know you want to talk about my mob. I'm not sure why you want to talk about my mob because I don't want to look at them, think about them, or even hear them spoken about. But <laughs> tell me what you're looking at this week in the deep dive. Uh, look, look, Kat, I don't want this. Look, the, the point of the deep dive is not to pot the mob, it, it's to try and help out and try and figure out what's going wrong with the mob. Um, so, look, we, we know, we know, at the, we know at the moment the bombers aren't traveling well and there's quite a few reasons for that but i thought understatement of the century just quietly yeah as as, as i watched as i watched the game uh on sunday uh, i was i was in the desk couldn't do anything else um it's just sort of look i i thought i thought they overhandled too much and they did it again on and they did it on anzac day as well and when a bulldog supporter says that uh they're overhandballing too much that's when you know you got a problem um (laughs) but this week i'm looking at what i'm looking at one player and and i'm not saying he's the exact cause of this but because there's about half a dozen of them that, that do it but Zach Merritt was probably the number one culprit on, on Sunday afternoon he had tw- 36 disposals and I think about 26 of them were handballs mm. so look I've, I've written down a couple of plays here that sort of outline just how useless these sort of handballs bring out actually there, there, there was there is one that I wrote down that that sort of results in a, in a half decent opportunity but a lot of the sort of just so a lot of them are just sort of lazy, sort of 
dish it off to and throw your teammates under the bus sort of sort of thing. But so we'll start with the centre bounce, Cat, and I think and it's a bit of bit of a scramble for the ball. Go goes towards the um the defensive end for Essendon. He Merritt recovers the ground ball, um, and then just a, and gives a quick handball to Draper, which really doesn't go anywhere. But he gets the ball back. Um, but he gets the ball back with another ground ball, and he misses that. And he misses the target with that handball. It was intended to go to Stringer, but um, it went a little bit, went a little bit wide. Um, but he follows that up again with a with a little palm to I think it was Mason Redmond, who then delivered the ball out wide to delivered out. I think it was Nick Martin who who got the ball uh, on the wing, and then Merritt sort of makes ma- makes up pushes up further further afield a little bit wider, and he and he gets the ball. Which look, we say it's good work rate, and but I think just the the amount of disposal he gets, and he doesn't really do a lot with them at that point. You know, the, the, he he takes the mark on the wing, he chips the ball. I think backwards to McGrath, which which I think wasn't even called fifteen meters, so it was play on. Follow it up to uh, a little bit later in the first quarter. We're inside Essendon's defensive 50. There's a spillage. Um, and Merritt receives the ball from Darcy Parrish. Um, and he, he gives, gives a pointless handball back to him. But then he works with but then he works with the ball about a few seconds later. And he, again, receives a loose ball. Handballs out to Mason Redmond, who gets a clearing ball, which is a little bit of positive play. It's, it's nice to get him... In, into the game and get the get the clearing ball out of defensive fifty. They actually get the they actually get the clearance. I want to take you down to the second term. Um, so we've just had another spillage outside the attacking fifty, mm. and and Zach Merritt receives the ball from Peter Wright. Now at this stage, Merritt's facing the goals, so he could he could he could easily have run it, um, run it up to about what 40, 45 meters out, have a ping. But instead, he sort of stays stagnant when he receives the ball, and then he decides to just handball it off to Stringer, who has a who off a step tries to have a kick from about forty five and doesn't even make, doesn't even make the distance. Um, a couple of, a couple of minutes later, I'm not gonna look. This isn't this isn't Merritt's fault. This is a victim of Essendon's ball movement structure. Um, so he receives the ball at half back, and he sort of has no choice because nobody's nobody's offering lead. Nobody's running. Nobody's running to provide an option. So he's got to chip it. So he's got to chip it short, and he's got to chip it short to a teammate. He'll get the ball back, maybe about 10, 10 seconds later, and he makes up. And he, he only makes up maybe what fifteen meters of space because they, they they kick the ball wide. They have a couple of kicks wide toward the boundary. It doesn't go anywhere, but he gets the ball back about just outside the defensive fifty. Um, he then handballs to a teammate. I, I couldn't quite pick out who it was, but he handballs to a teammate and he's immediately met with a Bulldogs player that's pressed right up, right up against him. And, and and then he just receives it back and he's forced to go down the line, which which results in a turnover. So th- this is the one that this is the one that really gets me, uh, Kat. And this is this is the guy from the opposition here. Um third third quarter, I think I think um I think you know the one I'm about to reference. So the Bombers have the ball in the defensive 50. They start the rebound. I think it was Laverde who handballed it to Parrish, who handballed it to Merritt, who's about 30 metres out from the dog's goal. Now, he at this point, he has options to go wide. He has options to sort of go a little bit, you know, to kick the ball you know, through the corridor if he really wants to. He does none of that. He, he, handballs, to, he handballs to Andrew McGrath, who then gets the ball back from the 1-2, and he's immediately set upon by about three dogs, and he gets a turnover, and it ends up, ends up in a Bulldogs goal. So 
look, it's not. I'm not saying again before anybody gets on their high horse. It's not me having a crack at Zach Merritt particularly. This is a crack at the, the at the bombers in in general because this is they're not going anywhere with these sort of little handballs. That look, you take the game on, take the game on, and look, you're going to make mistakes. Not everyone makes mistakes, especially at AFL level. But I think that the way that they're going about it, it's conservative. They're not doing anything with these touches. And and Darcy Parrish did it on Anzac Day as well. There's a lot of handballs to teammates under pressure and handballs that probably only went about, you know, five metres in total. No, it's, it's spot on, Doc. And I think it's been the issue with a lot of our ball movement throughout the year is overuse of the handball in situations where it doesn't call for it. You know, the, the best teams that like to use a handball game are combining that with a forward running game. And we're just not doing that. We're going in circles like we're doing training drills uh, instead. So... I think what? it's something that needs to be worked on quite a fair bit throughout the season. While we're on yeah. it, Kat, I just want to ask, sorry, Doc, just quickly, there's lots of rumblings about some senior players are unhappy about and confused about their roles, Kat. There was talk about, obviously, about the stuff with Dylan Shield that he was dropped and put us in the Medi sub and came on and was mm. elite <laughs> when he was subbed on. Uh was really good, his effort, and was great the week before. But what do you think is... What is, like, the goal, do you think? Do you think that they're either just now trying to play the kids and then haven't told the senior players that, or that they still think they're a chance to finish in the top half of the bottom eight, if that makes sense? What do you think is trying to go on there? Well, if we're just playing the kids, I'd love to know why we're dropping Kane Baldwin every other week instead of giving him some consistency uh, in this team. Um, Look, I'd be dropping Baldwin this week. He looked looked, um, out of his element completely. It's a hard one because I think he does need to string games he needs, together. He needs the games. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I agree. But you know, if he's, you if, he's only, if he's only introducing himself to the ball about five times every hundred twenty minutes, then what's the bloody point? Yeah. Look, honestly, Miller, I think the goal is to. I think we still have to remember that we are fielding the youngest or the second youngest side every week. Yeah. I think the goal is still to get games into the kids and. Um, over time, obviously, they have been getting some games and keeping the likes of Hobbs in is absolutely crucial, keeping Perkins in. I think, though, we are a team that does still need to reward form and not play players just based on the fact that we want them in the team. I've been calling for Nick Cox to get a spell basically all year. He's gotten injured again, so at least he's going to be forced yeah. out of the team for a little while. But um, I think you can't just have players coming in and out because you want to play them, and I don't know if... Shield, I think, probably was dropped too late. I think he needed to be dropped, you know, this time last year, not now. And it probably sends a strange message, and I can understand why the players would be upset about it, uh, because it seems like it's just, I don't know, for the sake of doing it. Hind, I can understand, he's had a pretty slow start to the year so far. I think he was a deserved drop. But also making the medical sub, also very, very mixed messaging, and I'm not really sure what the point of that is. Yeah, that's the thing that gets me, Kat. What's the point point of making a statement selection and then only saying, no, no, you'll be the uh, medi-sub? And and the chances of you coming onto the ground at some point in, in the game increases dramatically when... Um, at that at that point, with so, our bloody injuries, yes, doc, yes, it will. Oh, just it's, quickly before we get to the who's the man, I suppose on that point as well, Cat, with rewarding players for good form, it's setting standards and driving standards. If you're having Nick Cox in every week, it's saying, well, we're, you're you're okay to play a bad game every three, one every three games, and that's not what you want to be setting as a young group. So, 
Yeah, there's definitely work to be done. But on positivity, we've got our men of the week. Kat, you're going to kick <laughs> us off with who have you gone with for your man of the round? Yes, I've gone with a premiership demon. He was outstanding in this game. He's always a huge presence for any team. And young Max Lynch had his work cut out for him coming up against him. Big Maxi Gorn. What a game he had. Yes. Boys, he was probably the most influential demon on the ground. I'd say he was definitely the most influential demon on the ground. Uh, he's shown why he is a premiership ruckman, a premiership captain, and everything in between. 29 touches in this game, six marks, two snags, if you don't mind. 14 contested possessions, four intercept possessions. He's always getting himself behind the footy nicely. Big Maxi, 11 score involvements, if you don't mind as well. Uh, 35 hit outs, so he absolutely smashed young Maxi Lynch. Nine clearances, two and four inside 50s. Uh, he was just everywhere in this game. He uh, he knows when to lift when they need him, Max Gorn, and he's a presence ahead of the ball. He's a presence behind the ball. He's obviously a presence in the midfield contest too. I don't think there's many more complete ruckmen in the competition at the moment than Big Maxi. He's obviously the reigning All-Australian ruck for a reason, and I think he's well on his way to earning himself another blazer this year, boys, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. He'd be lead, he'd be leading the, uh, the, all, the, the rolling All-Australians... Uh... The role, the rolling all Australian selections at the moment, Maxi Gorn. He loves it. Loves a big bender from outside fifty-two. <laughs> and Doc, I liked your selection this week. Uh, a very underrated player, but we've been high on him uh, at times throughout his career at Frio. Yes, well, a man who's been uh, who's piqued Peter Bell's interest uh, since the, <laughs> since the day he came over, uh, Blake Blake Ake. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Akers, boys. Look, he has been sensational. The Dockers are flying, and so is he. Um, he had a massive game in the in, in the win against Geelong. Twenty-seven disposals, six marks, four tackles, two clearances, six hundred and seventy-five meters gained. Kicked a goal as well, and also also included eight inside fifties, five score involvements, six intercepts. He's playing the wing role like a treat, boys. This year, I think he's been one of many. Many players in in that Frio side that have risen up another level or two this year, and he deserves his he deserves every ounce of plaudits that come his way uh, this year, Blake Acres, because he's been just fantastic, just doing everything, just doing everything he can to keep himself in this team, to keep to keep the Dockers flying, flying the flag as well. Just a sensational effort all round. Would you say it's his best game for Frio, Doc? Oh, geez, I reckon I reckon it comes close. It um, has to be up there. It would, it would have to be up there. I, I, look, definitely one of the best games I've seen him play, you know, in recent memory. Um, you know, at St Kilda, he didn't really get much of a clean run at it and sort of was neither here or there. But it, it just looks like under under um, Justin Longmuir that, they're playing, that he's playing more of a freewheeling approach mm-hmm. now. And, you know, look, I, I'd say I'd say that game, I'd, I reckon he played a really good game at St Kilda earlier in the year. Um, and I thought the game against Carlton was pretty was pretty special as well. Um but yeah, look, I'd, I'd say this this is up there as one one of his best games of his career so far. Miller, you've gone for one of your own boys this week. Yes, oh, a bit, uh, bit, bit easy too. Conflict of interest is considerable here, uh, <laughs> but no, he played a very good game. We've been preying on them. I've been preying on this man because he's always consistent. He never gets talked about by anyone, and I'm sure internally he gets plenty of plaudits. Camden McIntosh boys played a very good game against uh, the West Coast on the weekend. Uh, like. He kicked three <laughs> goals, which is definitely career high. Twenty-one touches, four marks, four hundred twenty-three meters gain. 
as well for McIntosh. Three inside 50s, seven score involvements and six intercept possessions. Uh, really, really good game from him. And just underrated on the wing. A lot like Sammy Menegola. Menegola's got a bit more class in him. But just those wingers that run both ways and just do their job but don't care if uh, the fans don't have their numbers on the back of their jerseys or screaming their names because uh, they're happy doing their job. And just quickly before we get to the team of the week, I've just read here, boys, that Tom Brown is reporting that Essendon are going to offer 750k to Rowan Marshall, Cat. Oh, <laughs> what for? I'm are not we? sure. Are we going to play bloody Marshall and Draper in the same team, are we? You've got to be. Apparently. Anyway, with that news fresh in your minds, I'll go to some well, positivity. Well, Tom, <laughs> well Tom, Tom Brown also reported that Tim English is going to sign a multi-year deal at Doggy, so that's pretty good. He's happy with that one. Uh, well, yeah. we'll put the news to the side. Miller, give us your team of the week this week, mate. Uh, it was obviously one of our favourite segments so far. You've chosen some absolute pearlers. And uh, I'll start from the back line once again. Yeah, there's, there's, Thanks, a mate, this, there's, a, there's a selection in this team I'm not happy oh, with. Oh, <laughs> give it a spell, mate. It's one player. It's just a couple of players. Just uh, a couple of clubs. So in the back line, full back, we got Ryan Burton in the back pocket. Played a really good game despite the absolute snooze fest that was that game. Griffin Logue did an amazing job on Jeremy Cameron. Really strong job from Griffin Logan. Really impressed with him. You can see why he was a top 10 pick, boys, all those years ago. Another guy who did a great lockdown role was Jordan Ridley or Norton. He is in the team. I thought he held that's, Norton really well. That's a great selection, that one. Yeah, he loves that one. Uh, James Sisley, I was at this game as well live, Melbourne and um, Hawthorne. And I tell you what, Sisley held his own and was really strong early as he has been all year. Sammy Taylor, I've gone with lots of lockdowns this week, boys, but kept Tex to two goals, which you say two goals is two goals, but Tex is averaging four this year, the most of any forward consistently since he's been playing. So did a good job. Caleb Daniels, the little man. And we just have to tell you again and inform the world that he's the smallest man in the AFL. Yes, we know. Was really good, Doc, I thought. Had a quiet week the last couple, but responded really well. Now, I've actually got two genuine wingers here on the wings, boys. Josh Dacos. I'll tell you what, he's been uh, overshadowed by his brother Nick. Nick had a quiet one, and Josh reminded the comp that I've been good all year, and this is why. Another nomination for him in my team been really good and tom stewart now i'm not putting him at half back campbell brand new dick because he played on the wing this week so <laughs> we cannot put him uh at half back 40 oh, touches like 40 and you know what and you know what boys he was close to the 1000 this yep. week he was very he, close to the 1000 inches, inches away fatty cripps you know, is he, the center man there as well boys so that's the nice if he had one too. if he had one more kick tom stewart he would have got the thousand so that's not good enough <laughs> Shy Bolton was really good for us. Played a strong game, consistent four-quarter effort. Buddy Franklin was six. Harris Andrews had a quiet start to the year, boys. Hasn't really been that good. Marcus Adams has been the man. And once Adams went on to Franklin, uh, he was better, but too little too late. Here's Doc's gripe. Josh Dunkley, unfortunately, is in the forward pocket now. I had to, pocket. had to sneak Dunkley in, and unfortunately, it is in the forward pocket. I do apologize. I had a bit of threw, threw a bit of Dunkley around. <laughs> Um, oh, what you, you you couldn't put him on the bench, could you? I couldn't because this bench is star studded. <laughs> Dan Zorko now in the forward pocket, so he was really good. I thought Tommy Lynch with seven goals, five. Tom Toby Green, whoever he is, we don't care. It's green. Toby Green, of course. Not, not Green not, Green in there, mate. Not, yeah, green, not green Green. green. <laughs> not Green Green this week, cat. Unfortunately, not, uh, not, not not Danny Green. Green Machine. <laughs> Toby <Mean> Man Machine. <laughs> great to have him back in the team. It was a massive reason why the Giants won in the ruck. 
Cats man of the week, Max Gorn, elite with that. Yes. Jackson, Jaden Short moving to the midfield. He's definitely in there. And Lockie Neal, as mentioned, 37 touches. Best midfielder in the comp right now. On the pine, Jared Witts, 44 hitouts and 20 touches against his former team. Ollie Wines, uh, only 27 and one goal, but his effort was a lot better. Good to see him back from injury uh, and over his heart condition, hopefully for good. Uh, Josh Kelly, he's in here, boys. 41 oh, yeah. touches. 41. 41. Absolutely. Leather poisoning. He, he played well. He played well. And the last man on well. the pine is playing against his former club. Best game of his career, boys. Jordan Clark had an outstanding game. Had to put a defender slash uh, winger in there to get a bit of versatility. But that is the team of the week. And the coach of the week is not Adam Simpson. Uh, <laughs> it's Justin Longmuir for his, his it's not great Matthew Knights, is it? It's not Matthew Knights. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yuck. It is Justin if, if Longmuir. Can, if Matthew Knights can keep the margin under 100 points this week, can he be coach of the week next week? <laughs> I mean, oh, if you can keep not. it under 150, Doc, I'll put him in. Let's yeah. rack off our tips, the boys, before we can, end. So, oh, yes, sorry, Kat, can I just, sorry, Kat, can I just go? Uh, I'd just like to quickly apologise to Miller. Um, Josh Dunkley spent 23% of centre bounce attendances on the There you go. There you go. He's in the forward line. He's in the forward line. Put him in. Shut up. And said, you will play in the forward line, you dick. <laughs> you will not, and you will not shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. The tips, boys, it keeps getting right. worse for Kat and Doc. Here. Alex Miller, seven tips this uh, week for a total of 42. Me, I got four. I'm on a total of 34 in second place. And Doc, he's gained one on me. He got five with 32. But bloody hell, we are just look, letting look, you look, run look, random with this, Miller. How'd you get, third, oh, how'd you get four this week, Cat? Oh, don't, don't even ask me, mate. Don't even ask. <laughs> I'd like to it. know. The tips were <laughs> absolutely <laughs> shocking. I'll tell you, I'll tell you which... Which tips I tipped like a bloody dickhead this week. Yeah. Uh, I went for yeah, Crom over the Giants. I went yeah, I for went, Suns went as, the my, as my uh, as my Hail Mary pick, my my weird one. Suns over the, over the Pies. Jesus. Swans over the Lions. Saints over the Power. And I chose the Cats over Freo. So, yeah, no, I, I there it is. That, that was literally that was literally me. Only I picked Collingwood over the Suns. I probably should have I probably should have picked Port for some stupid reason, but that's all right. Oh, well, it's Alex Miller, you are the king of the tips in, when it comes to the men's season, and you're holding your title there. But <laughs> a big round eight ahead, boys. Few games that could go either way. I feel across this week, so it might be a few hard ones. But it you all starts the, on a. You got the teams here cut as well. You can rack them off for us. Oh yes, we'll get some, some team news cut. here. Um, got some team. Friday night. Got some teams. Why have we got yeah, a bring, bring, double up? Tonight, tonight. Why have we got tonight. a double up? Yeah. Oh. Uh, don't I don't know. And, and look, I say this. I, I say this with the greatest respect to Fremantle because they deserve they deserve a Friday night game. But what the hell are they doing against North Melbourne here at eight forty pm? I'm really not sure who decided that one. But for Port, uh, just Kane Farrell out with health and safety. Doggies, Anthony Scott, Buku Kamas in. Josh Shackey named as the medical sub with the Bond managed and Mitchie Wallace out. Uh, I kind of want to go port here, boys. I won't lie. Um, the dogs haven't been overly convincing. Uh, I'm port, going port. Two in a row. Oh, I'm, I'm going port. Oh, he's going straight against his mob cat. He's, he's no hesitation. Go and port. Piss the mob off. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going the Bulldogs I'll, 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 and uh, your mate Buku to kick four. Four? Yeah. Bloody hell. Oh, 
No, look, I will, I will say a couple of things in defence of the Dogs. Uh, I think our record against Port Adelaide Oval has been pretty good in the last couple of years. Um, so I think that'll, that'll hold us in good stead. And Brooker Karmas has kicked 10 goals in the last three games, including two bags of four. So That's, that's right, Kat. That that's why he's got four. That's, that's no, right. maybe, maybe three. So, so, maybe three. Not four. <laughs> oh, look, I'll, I'll put... I'll put it past. I'll put. I wouldn't put it past Bevo to see him play on the wing at some point. Buku Karmas, knowing Bevo, um, Bonapelli out. Oh, look, I'm not sure how big of a loss that'll be because he's been playing on one leg basically all year to start. Really, um, but look, Port Port have found some rhythm here, boys. I, I I really think they'll um they'll they'll get it done against us. I think we our ball movement 66 inside 50s for a 30 point win, cat. You tell you tell me that's good enough. <laughs> no, it's not good enough. Uh, just a quick fun fact, Cat, about this game. Dersma was dropped and then Kenneth put him back in because it's his 50th game. So uh, <laughs> uh, he felt a, bit, too cruel. felt a bit guilty about it. So I'm going dogs and you're both going port. There you go. Kat. All righty. Yep. Uh, Four by a couple of kids. Freo versus North, boys. Freo. Freo. Uh, Freo. Yeah, Freo. <laughs> uh, Freo um, been good struck, struck pretty hard by COVID this week. Blake Akers, Griffin Logue, Lloyd Meek, Michael Frederick, Rory Love, and Travis Collier all out. Hayden Young, Heath Chapman, Jai Amos, Liam Henry, and Sean Darcy all in. Good to see uh, Amos getting a, getting a game here, Cat, because he kicked yeah. four in the waffle uh, last week, four or five in, in the senior. So he's. He's building some good form up, so I can't wait to see him uh, drop, drop a couple on uh, Aiden Core and Ben Mackay. <laughs> well, speaking of those two, they are back in. Jed Anderson making his return as well. Great to see uh, Aiden Great Bonner, see. Jack Marnie, Miller Bergman, and Nick Larkey all making way for the ruse. But yeah, sounds like a pretty consensus. How is Kane Turner still getting a game just quietly, boys? I'm not sure about that. Very good question, mate. I, I think. Look, depending on depending on what his role is, I saw him on Good Friday playing the playing the forward line and did bloody bugger all. Play him in the back, play him in the back pocket. And he's not a bad bloody lockdown player. So uh, Mickey Walters having a big game tonight. He likes playing against North and at home. So yeah, this will be a just, massive game though. Sorry, sorry, Miller. Just quickly, Nick Larky very lucky to get one week. Should be in two for that stupid act. Yes, on, on Lewis, pretty poor. On Lewis Young. Oh, absolutely stupid. But what about this game, boys? Oh, Alex Miller, you'll be very excited for this one. Richard versus Collingwood. Look at those ins. Dustin Martin, Cherry the Cotchin. You can see the smile on his face. Dusty's back, mate. Jack Ross, Riley Collie Dawkins, Sydney Stack. I'm, 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 I'm not sure what, what gives him a bigger smile to see Dustin Martin and Trent Cotchin back in or to see Sydney Stack dropped. <laughs> uh, definitely having Dusty back. A bit, I think Collie Dawkins a bit stiff to be dropped. Um, Obviously, they're doing something structurally keeping Soldo in the team. I think they're going to try and overpower them in the ruck cat with Nankervis and Soldo against Beck and Cameron. So that'll be interesting. But Pies have got Ollie Henry back, who kicked uh, kicked seven last week, didn't he? In the two, yeah, he uh, kicked seven in the, seven in the VFL last week. Uh, yeah, Ollie Trent Henry Bittico kicked five, so a couple of young boys coming in for twelve goals between them. Callum Brown, well, yeah, the Pies fans will be happy to see Callum <laughs> Brown and Jack Madden out of this team because I reckon they've been caught their heads since about round one. Can I ask you, um, Ken, just yes. quickly? I've been screaming for months on end for Madden to be dropped, and now the one week I don't want him to be dropped, need him in the team so he makes some mistakes. <laughs> He's gone. That's oh, that's unfortunate <laughs> timing, mate. Uh, I'm confused. Uh, Craig, Craig Cafe giving you what you want, Miller. Yeah. <laughs> I might back the Tigers to get up for Dusty's return. I think just that morale boost for your boys, Miller. Oh, yeah, oh, it's a really hard game to pick. I really want to pick Richmond just to see them get up, but I wouldn't be shocked if Colin would get up too. Game on. I, uh... I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll back the Tigers in, though. 
Yeah, yeah I back to Tigers, and obviously, boys, we see Maynard. Would you say Maynard goes to Dusty when Dusty's four? Oh, yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I, I, I reckon that's yeah, if. If Josh Gibkiss doesn't get Rising Star nomination this week, I will headhunt AFL House, and whoever does the nominations is an absolute farce. He hasn't been picked this week uh, at all so far what, this what year. What is he going to be lining up on this week, bloody Will Hunt? <laughs> well, would, would it would have been Jack Madgen. Uh, looks like it'll have to be uh, Jack Ginnivan, maybe. If he's climbing off Hoskin Elliott or Ollie Henry Miller, back him in for another 10 or 11 marks. Yeah, look, it'd be nice. I think um, they might try and put him on Hoskin Elliott, try and work him off as the mm. defender. But how about this in this next game, Cat, for a story? Rory Thompson. It's been wow. over a, 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 th- it's a thousand three hundred and something odd days. Yeah, it's nearly it? four been... years for Rory. Wow. Yeah. Which is just absolutely incredible. He comes back in with Will Powell. Alex Davies probably a bit stiff to be omitted here. Dyson McPherson and Jeremy Definitely not Sharp. stiff. He was yeah. fucking useless at uh, McPherson. <laughs> McPherson, not Davies. Yeah, McPherson. Uh, yeah. Logan McDonald oh, back in for the Swans to come yes. in. Didn't Reed. know Dyson McPherson was playing. <laughs> you, you wouldn't know, mate. Uh, I'll go the Swans. No, the, Swans. Yeah, the Suns, uh, like we said, they've been they've been all right, but I think I backed the Swans in. But that said, last year the Suns did upset the Swans, and they've yes. got a pretty good record against them. Uh, so you never know. Yeah, good to see Paddy McCartan in, and even better to see Sam Reid dropped because I thought he was pretty useless. He needs to retire. Um, He's had a great career, Sam Reid, but time to pack it up, mate. Time to go. Uh, I, th- I think great's a bit of a stretch. Um, sw- sw- Swans will get up, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, good. make a good point about the Suns uh, beating them last time they were up at the SCG, so wouldn't put it past the Suns to do it again. I say Swans. Go Swans. All right, the Giants taking on the Cats. These two teams always put on a bit of a show yes. as well. They don't mind going yeah. against each other. And as Leon Cameron said during the week, about the first time in four years they've gone in unchanged. Uh, for the, the Cats have gone for a few youngsters coming in. Cooper Stevens, Francis Evans, Quinton Narkel. With oh, Daniel finally, Cooper Stevens well. is in. Yes. Uh, Joss Elwood out, Holmes, Dempsey, and Sean Higgins also all out with Luke Dallas as the medical sub. Uh, back the cats in to bounce back here, boys. But I think these two always play good games against each other. I think it'll be a very, very good spectacle. Sorry, oh. just quickly, Doc. How's Riccardi not in this team after his display in the twos last week? Five goals in the first Leon quarter. Leon hates him. Um, oh, get him out. Did he have eight get for the game? Was it eight for the game? Nine. I think he finished with, I think he finished with nine. Nine and five in the first quarter. Not good enough, mate. No, not nine nine goals, and yet Je- Jesse Bogan still gets a bloody game. You got to be, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, it looks just a tough tip here. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a cat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. Cameron revenge tempted. game kicks five. By the way. Half, I'm half tempted to hit the Giants, but the the Cats are actually doing some good things at the moment. Good to see, good to see Stevens in finally, and and yeah. Frankie Evans. I'm a, I'm a big fan too. Uh, certainly, he'll do more than. Than Spudhouse and Sean Higgins, who both both of whom should be playing in the bloody Vaffa, not 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 anywhere near a state level footy. Um, yeah, Cats will get up. I think. I think the Cats will win. All right, Lift Lodgers have been pushed back for this game, but Lions and the Eagles. Lions by 150. <laughs> Jeez, I say I say, yeah, I say Brisbane by 96. Oh yeah, look, Brisbane will kick. I reckon Brisbane will give that league record a shake. <laughs> uh, the ho- highest score, two thirty nine, set by the Cats against Brisbane and Carrara, ninety two. I would say with well, yeah. her they would dock it. I don't know about the forward line. Yeah. I think they'll they'll do well. They'll smash them, but I don't know about a scoring <laughs> record this week. 
No, no, they'll, they'll. Well, if they don't get the scoring record, they'll give. They'll they'll get two hundred. They'll get two hundred on them. Uh, and unfortunately, on Saturday night, my mob taking the Hawks. I'm tipping the Hawks because I've got no yeah, Hawks. at all. I am excited to see Nick Bryan back in the team, boys, going with Sammy Draper as the ruck combo. Uh, Nick Hind, welcome back into as I mentioned before. Kane Baldwin omitted. Jakey Stringer and Nick Cox also out and for the Hawks. Den Grange Brass, Harry Morrison, Josh Ward all in. Connor McDonald, Connor Nash, Dan Howe, and Liam Shields all out. I, I don't think no. Nah. Cat, no, I want Cat. I want to see Nick Martin and Ben Hobbs attend more than one set of clearance. That's what. That's what I want. That's what I want oh, to see. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, I I, I agree because I think Ben Hobbs was playing more more across half forward on Sunday and he was just he was just absolutely out of his element. Yeah, half the... forward. Get 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 him playing more centre bounce attendances, and I think Essendon will actually compete. Um, bashing crashing against Jimmy Walpole or someone. Yeah, it's a shame to see Connor McDonald out. I think he's been playing some really good footy at Hawthorne mm. uh, this year. Just rested, I think, this week, Doc, yeah. since he's managed on the yeah. team sheet. Yeah, oh, look, that's that's fair enough. I think he's been playing some really good footy for the Hawks this year. Uh, I'm going Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawks. Alrighty. Um, hey, what, what about this game? One ten pm on a Sunday afternoon at the MCG. This will be the Mother's Day viewing. Keep it on the TV uh, while you're spoiling your mum with some nice presents and a lovely breakfast in bed. Melbourne and St Kilda, boys, head to head, top four clash. Spoil my mum with Luke Jackson highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be one of the games of the year, boys. Uh, the Saints Ooh. coming off a very ugly loss. They're going to be hungry. The D's. Very COVID-affected, well, not very COVID-affected last week, but a few players out, so they'll welcome a few back in. Good to see Bailey Laurie in the extended squad too, boys. I'd be very excited if he got a run in this one. But Alex Nilbull and Harry Petty, Cozzy Pickett, Luke Jackson, Tom Sparrow, all great ins to have back. And for the Saints, welcoming Rowan Marshall back in. I love that as well. Um, Saint I'll Jones look, as well, Cat. How good's it to see yeah, him play footy? Great. Yes. Played a couple of games for Sandy, so good to see him back from injury. Yeah. Very, very good right. him. Um, I think I'll back the D's in here, especially with the players they've got coming back in. But this will be a spectacle. Yeah, no, look, I think this will be a very good game of footy. Um, surprised to see Jared Leanett dropped. I think he, I think he's actually been quite good mm, for the yeah, Saints uh, this year. Very stiff. Don't know what he's done to uh, to warrant the uh, the axe, but. No, oh, look, I love the inclusions of Melbourne. I think they'll be uh they'll be red hot. Yeah. Uh, eight and zip, eight and zip. I'm going with these as well. All right. Um, the, the final game of the round, Carlton and Adelaide. Uh, look, can I just can I just say this game deserves four forty PM. <laughs> no 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 one will watch this game. I actually thought had the Crows won, this would have been a good game to watch, uh, because the Crows would have been really fighting for a top eight spot, but unfortunately they dropped the ball against the Giants. Uh the Blues lean stock is out. Uh, Jesse Mullock, Jordan Boyd, Paddy Dow, Zach Williams on there on the extended bench. And all the Crows fans will be happy, Miller, because I've heard them calling for Matt Krause's head all year long. Jeez. And <laughs> finally gone and dropped him. Very uh, stiff. Brody Smith and then McHenry also out. Ben Davis, Chase oh, Beligo, James Rowe, Luke Hedler, Mitch Hinge, and Will Matt, 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 Cra- Matt Crouch's foot skills and decision-making has been just piss poor this year. So I'm the glad Crows fans dropped. hate him, mate. They despise him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad he's dropped because um, he's just oh, his decision making has been just dreadful. Um, Why is he wrote... bloody Chase Jones? <laughs> nah, because he polishes he polishes the nude nut every week. <laughs> I can't drop him. <laughs> um, I'm going Carlton. It's going to be a whooping as well. 
Yeah, oh, look, I'll pick Carlton. Uh, I'm, not, I'm still not sold on them. Uh, they, they still can't play four quarters of damn football to save their life. But look, they, 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 they've got to beat Adelaide here. And tell you what, good to see Lewis Young bloody let off as well. That, that, oh, I can't, I can't believe that that whoever the idiot was to give him a week, um, decided that 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 was that was fair. Uh, yeah. so, so that wasn't fair. That was that was just a great that was just a great hip and shoulder on the chest play on, and and bloody Zerha came back on as well. Yeah, yeah, it's spot on, Doc. Um, I think it's the right decision, and I'm glad that they made the call. Are you um, going Carlton as well, Cal? Yeah, I'm going Carlton. Yeah, um, that is all our tips, and that is going to be us, I think, for this week's episode of the A3 Footy Podcast. Make sure you follow us across all our socials, A3Footy on Twitter, at A3FootyPodcast on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, we have the email as well, A3Footy at gmail.com. Big weekend ahead, boys. Few massive games. I'm very, very keen to see. Melbourne and the Saints especially could see the end of the season ladder shape up with that one. Oh, man, I can't, can't wait to see my mob bottle up another winnable another winnable game against Port. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I tell you, the the two the two weeks I haven't been here um were, were the the games that the dogs ended up losing the winnable games and I've been really keen to really rip into this mob, but <laughs> o- o- only only to save them only to save themselves a week after with a win. Oh well, you might you might have a chance here this week, Doc. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're back in the Tom Hickey Studios uh, next week. Cause, yes, uh, we should yes. be. Yeah, because Juan, Juan says no, no, no recordings for you this week, boys. <laughs> Good to have all the boys back together again as well. I'm very keen for next week. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Stockerty. Join us again next week. Huge round of footy ahead. Stay tuned for that on A3.